This is the second part. And today I want to talk about the Christ mind. But first, before I get there, I want to show you some things that I think are important. The gentlemen are going to come and they're going to stand right here. Watch this quick demonstration, everyone. If David stands here and David becomes a symbol of my, my body, notice the first thing you see about me is my body. That's the first thing that people encounter when they encounter us. They encounter our external presentation. And I think, not that I think it's religious, I think it's wisdom to focus on this. And the reason why I think it's wisdom in the church communities, what we do is we teach this as being religious. So generally what we do, at least where I'm from, the external says something about your relationship with God. I don't think that's a good measure, but what I do think is the external says something about you not necessarily something about your relationship with God. And because it's the first thing that people see, because they cannot see, if you notice, Shimado is standing behind David and you really can't see him because in this analogy, he's going to represent your soul. And behind David, Robert is standing and he's going to represent your spirit. When someone meets you, the first thing they see, they don't see your soul. In fact, it's very hard and near impossible for them to see your soul. They don't see your spirit. So you, you can't ask someone to see your heart. The first thing they encounter is they, they see your, your body. And because human beings are superficial, they are going to judge you based on what they see first. And in fact, what they have told us, you remember this? First impressions are lasting impressions. But the problem is, this is really not the core of who I am. And this is very superficial, but it is the first thing that people see. So these three gentlemen, what they're doing is they're demonstrating what you and I look like in a holistic sense, body, soul, and spirit. Step a little closer to Shimano. In my body, I am who I am to the world in my body. That's what they see. In my soul, I am who I am to myself. Because here we're going to talk about personality, the individual. Remember the Bible says it in Genesis 2 verse 7 that God formed the man, body, from the dust of the ground. That's why this goes back to the, to the dust. And then he breathed into man the breath of life, spirit. And the fusion of spirit and body gives us living soul. He becomes an individual. Without this, he's just an empty vessel. And without this, he's a spirit that's unclothed. Once these are union together, he becomes a living soul. This is his personality or his core. Here in my spirit, I am, listen to this, who I am to God. In my spirit, I am who I am to God. In my soul, I am who I am to myself. And in my body, I am who I am to the world. The real journey of the Christian, listen to this carefully, is to show people who I am to God. But it has to travel through this, through this, before they can see it. So if you do your, your studies carefully, you would have seen that all I've shown you is a picture of the tabernacle. Outer court, holy place, holy of holies. 
God lives here. There are articles that furnish here. And outside, there's some other things that we got to work on. So what we're going to do today now is we're going to show you how this breaks out. So if I ask the gentleman now just to sort of break me out so you can see, Shimada's going to go there. Robert's going to go there. Body, soul, and spirit. I need to do one more thing, though, because I'm going to move to the, the soul. I want to focus on Shimada for a moment. But I'm going to ask these gentlemen to be the soul. Richard, can I, can I borrow you for a second? Can I borrow you, uh, David, for a second? I'm going to show you one more thing that I need you to see. I'm going to ask Richard if he would stand beside David, stand right beside him, and David, if you'd stand beside Robert. And gentlemen, if you can touch each other's shoulders, because what I want to show you is that all of you is connected. There's no space between you, so there's no disconnect between you. If I take Pastor Brown, I would say in this analogy that he's going to be my body just for this analogy. And over here, David is going to be my spirit. And these three gentlemen are going to be my soul. And in my soul, I want to show you specifically what happens there. There is my will. If you want to find this in the Bible, this is a candlestick that's in the holy place. There's also my heart. There's a table that's in the holy place with bread sitting on the table. And here, this is my mind. So I want you to get that. This is my will, my heart, my mind, and together they make up my soul. This is my spirit, that's my body. So I want you to see closely how this works. My will is closest to my body. Because whatever my decisions are, they will be manifested in my body. My mind is closest to my spirit. So whatever God is doing, he first focuses on my mind. That's why with the mind, I serve God. Now watch these on the notes. Gentlemen, do you mind just staying there for a second? Watch this. The Bible says in Philippians 2 verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let's go a little further into this. My soul is my center. This is my core. At my core is my soul, my mind, my heart, and my will. At my core is my soul. When somebody says I'm trying to get my center, I, I don't know what that really means, but in my thinking, I think it focuses on this area. I'm trying to get an understanding of what goes on in the core of who, who I am. Now watch this, everyone. My soul is sensory. I told you this last week because what it does is it senses who I am. You don't really know who you are in your spirit. You know who you are in your mind, how you think. You know who you are in your heart, your appetites, your desires. It tells you who you are and you know who you are in your decisions. So who you are is focused here. Your decisions tell you, this is who I am. Your desires tell you, this is who I am. Your thinking, your deliberations tells you who I am. Are you following me? When I get saved, I want to show you something quickly. When I get saved, the first thing that God does is he deals with me here in my spirit. 
So the first thing he does, new birth, is God brings my spirit back to life. Because before I was saved, my spirit was dead. So the Bible says, here it goes, Ephesians 2. And you have he quickened or brought back to life who were dead in trespasses and sins. He brings my spirit back to life. Lift your hands for it. And all of a sudden, my spirit is able to worship God. My spirit is connected to God again, and it's alive. But the challenge is, there's a lot of work to be done here. You see the challenge? So theologians have taught, and they're right, that I am saved, but I'm also being saved. Because now God has a whole lot of work to do with my mind, my heart, and my will. You know the scripture, right? He has to wrestle to make sure that my will becomes his will. He has to create in me a clean heart. He has to give me the mind of Christ. So this is where Christianity takes place. So I can be sweetly saved over here, but the worst of Christian over here. Are you following what I'm saying? So somebody says, well, I'm saved, but the challenge is not that nothing's wrong over here. The ark has come back to the holy of holies. The problem we're having is in the holy place. And as a result, this thing can also be out of control because the soul is out of control. So the journey of the Christian is not over here. God takes care of this. It is also not over here because God is not so much concerned with your body. doesn't mean that he doesn't want you to eat right, rest and all that. But he's not focused on that. He's focused on here. And when this is right, life expires. He'll give you a new one of this. Did you follow? So the real work of being a Christian is at my core. This is where all of us, including the preachers, this is where we all fall down. Whether it's in my will, whether it's in my heart, or it's in my mind. That's where the work of Christianity takes place. This is where we lose people or we gain people based on what goes on in here. Most of the times what happens is when we enter into worship, worship ignites our spirit. So we raise our hands, our body responds. Pastor, raise your hand just for a second because something's going on in here. Something can be going on over here that's manifesting over here, but not touching over here. This is something you've got to really understand about the believer. Thank you just for a second, just Stay right there for a second. Let's just keep going. Watch this, everyone. I just need them for a few more seconds. My soul is a mediator. This is critically important. Anything that stands in the middle is mediating between things. So whatever's going on in my spirit for it to get over to my body, my soul has to carry it over as a mediator. The opposite is also true. Stuff can be going on in my body. My soul has to carry it into my spirit. It's a middle ground. It's a mediator. That's why your soul is critical because it stands there as an umpire. So God can be doing great things in my spirit, which he always does, things that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, but my soul is not yet at a place where it's mediating what God is doing. So let's go just a step further before we go. My soul is also a spiritual level. I can't hide these gentlemen, but the reality is I can see this. I can see Richard, but I cannot really see this. So it's a spiritual or an immaterial level. No one can see your soul. 
just like no one can see your spirit. So your soul and spirit are immaterial levels of who you are. In other words, they're spiritual levels. People generally don't think that your soul is very spiritual. But it is. That's why the holy place is behind a curtain. You cannot see into it unless you can get into it. It is only God and you that truly know what's going on on the inside. Tell me whatever you want to tell me. I will never truly know what's going on on the inside. Only God can. It's one of the reasons why God says, when I deal with you, I do not look. He says, men look on thee, but I see the, and I'm dealing with you not on what you show people. I'm dealing with you based on what I know about you. This is why it's hard to hide from God. You can dress, I can dress you up. I could be the worst. Listen, I could have just robbed the bank this week. Wish to God I had, then I would be able to pay some of the ministry debts and then go and ask for forgiveness. But you will never know what's going on on the inside. Only God can. I say that simply to remind you that be careful how you judge people. Because you only have, listen, you only have a third of what's going on. And you don't have the qualitative two-thirds of what's really going on. Soul is a mediator. Almost finished, gentlemen. I thank you for this. So your soul is also tripartite. Notice there are three elements, or we can call them levels. Each of these individuals, except for these three, are dimensions. There's a dimension of my body and all its functionalities. There's a dimension of my soul, all its functionalities, levels, furnishings, and there's a dimension of my spirit. You are more than just a person walking around. We are extremely complex. We are deep at, well, this is what the Bible says, deep calleth unto. So you, you are not a simplistic person. There are things going on on the inside. That's why, again, I would even advise you to sit and take counsel from people who don't really know you may be a dangerous thing to do. Because you're more than me just telling you, I think you should do this. It really takes someone who knows you. And that's why the greatest counselor is the Spirit of God and those whom he directs us to give counsel to us. So remember this, we are depth. We're threefold in our soul. I'm almost there. Let me go back over here for a second now. My... My mind is actually an altar in the Bible. So my mind, which is connected to my spirit, is an altar. It's an altar because it's always thinking. It's always ruminating. It's always, in fact, my mind does not sleep. My body can sleep. I need watch. I need to teach my mind watch, not how to sleep, but how to rest. There's a difference. My body sleeps. My mind needs to know how to rest. This is very significant. Many people sleep, but they don't rest. So they wake up and they wonder, why are they still tired? Their body's gotten seven hours of sleep, but their mind, all night, their mind was doing a marathon, thinking over things, ruminating over things. So you remember that altar in the Bible? That altar is always burning, always offering up incense. Notice I place the mind here because the altar in the Bible is closest to the Holy of Holies. That means the mind, it actually touches the curtain of my spirit. 
And whatever is going on in my spirit, just like whatever is going on in my mind, these two interact. If my spirit is right and my mind is right, things are going to reach my heart. If Listen, if my spirit is right and my mind is wrong, things will stop and die here. I want you to understand that. So my mind is connected to my spirit, designed to convey all that God is doing through my mind into another level of my soul. Now do you understand why the Bible says, listen, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. In other words, whatever is going on in your spirit, for it to move beyond your spirit, you've got to think like Jesus. You've got to work. And I'm going to show you how we can do that. Then my heart is over here. It's a table. What it's designed to do is it's designed to desire things. So from this table, notice the wisdom of God. He puts bread there because he really wants to focus on your appetites. So on that table, there's bread because bread is to fulfill appetites. Your heart is always desiring things. It's always appetite driven. So now you understand why the bread is there, because the first thing you should desire if you want to control or curtail your appetites is the bread of God's word. So watch this. Man shall not live by, but by every. So your heart should desire the bread of God. This is another good way of testing your relationship with God. What do you desire first? Do you desire the word of God? Do you want to be fed by the word of God? And the last one is my will. My will is seen in this lamp that's constantly burning because whatever decisions I make, they're going to determine the direction that I go in. My body is waiting for my will to give it instructions. And whatever decision I make, my body is then going to go in that direction. If I'm to teach properly now to be a holistic person, this is what I believe God wants. He wants all that he's doing in my spirit to flow through my mind, to reach into my heart, to stop by my will and come out in my body. Now the world can see, watch, who I really am to God. So this is what we're going to work on. We're going to work on these three right here. We're going to work on the mind. We're going to work on the heart. We're going to work on the will. This will have to comply. This will have to comply. And this, everyone in this room that's a believer, this is fine. This is not God's concern. His concern is over here. Put your hands together for these four or five gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jensen. So, here's our message. My mind is actually the king of my soul. And I'm going to show you what happens in your mind. What goes on from what I see in the Bible in my mind? What's, what's happening in my mind? It's, it's the king of my soul. That altar is king. Now, I'll teach this quickly, just, just for your, 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 your understanding. When you look at the tabernacle, each of those articles, whether it be the altar, the table, or the candlestick, they're covered over with gold. And gold in the Bible is a symbol of divinity. Underneath most of those, the altar and the table, that's wood, that's humanity. And what God begins to teach us is, for us to truly be who he is to the world, he has to sit on top of us. 
He has to be the covering on top of us. This is the process of being a Christian. A lot of people think, and this is what I can see, even in my own life, and we generally tend to deny it, that the way that we behave sometimes, we justify it because we've always done that within the, within the church community. So whether it's, you know, somebody chatting about somebody, somebody doing something negative, whatever it may be, we say, well, I can just play it off, you know, and we continue doing ministry. I, I know what I'm saying. But the truth of the matter is, the wood is on the outside in most cases when the wood should be underneath the gold. I'm going to show you today the power of the mind. Where I'm from in the Caribbean, they always say when somebody's not good, they say, and they use very strong patois, they say that person is, they have a bad mind. But I, I think it's a little bit more than just that. Let's, let's look at this for a second and tell me if, if I'm not wrong. Here's the first thing I want you to think about. The mind is actually the logos of my being. And I'm using a Greek term because John says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. But he's using that term. He's using the word logos. And the word logos in its translation means the thought as it exists in the mind of the thinker. You could translate the text by saying, in the beginning was the thought in the mind of the thinker. And the thought, because it belonged to the thinker, it was with the thinker. And of course, the thought was the thinker. Your mind is the starting place of all thought. I want you to get your mind is the seedbed of all your thinking. And because as you think, you become the mind is the soul, is the king of who you are. That's why I think it's Solomon that says in Proverbs 23 or 24 verse 7, he says, and as he thinks, but notice what he says. He doesn't say as he thinks in his mind. He says as he thinks in his, so is he. So whatever is going on in his mind immediately reaches his heart. And then he becomes that. Let me show you something else. It's just me thinking out loud. That is why the incense that's burning on that altar, it fills the entire room of the holy place. That even the bread smells like the altar. Whatever's going on in your mind, it begins to fill the room of your soul until your heart begins to desire what you're thinking. Until you become that. You become something before it manifests to the world. You are something, even if people can't see it. You are that because, listen, you are thinking it. Remember I told you this last week? When the enemy wants to fight you, he does not fight your spirit. The reason why he cannot fight your spirit is God is in your spirit. The ark is in the holy place, holy of holies. He cannot fight God. God is in your spirit. Can I show you something? Christians cannot be demonically possessed in their spirits. Watch, but they can be demonically controlled in their souls. So the enemy does not go after my spirit. In fact, he's afraid to go beyond that veil. But he certainly can attack my mind. He can go after the way I think. The battlefield is my mind. If you look, if you are able to televise your thoughts, if, if my thoughts, God forbid, were to flash on the screen, you'd see Oromikal. That's why sometimes you pray, God, don't let them see my thoughts. 
because that would be who I am. I'm going to show you how we can help in this area. Watch now. The mind then becomes the seat. If I had a chair, I would sit. You know, like that great uh, uh, Greek statue where you have the person sitting and they're sitting like this, and that becomes the sculpture of the thinker. Your mind is the seat of thought. Your thoughts sit there. They reside there. What you think is important. What I think about is important. What I should be doing is I should be measuring my thoughts on a regular basis, not taking them lightly. If you think about it just for a minute, you will see all the... Have you ever read a book? I don't know if this has happened to you. Have you ever read a book in terms of reading a page and you don't even remember what you just read? Because as you were reading it, all these other thoughts went through your mind. Your eyes were going over the words and you came to the end of the page. You don't even remember, what did I just read? Because my thoughts were in another world. Thinking about something. Have you ever driven to a location that you always drive to and you got there and you don't remember when you made the turn? Because though your eyes were seeing the road, your mind was someplace else. The mind is powerful. I told you a few weeks ago, religion also can control the mind. So that people, knowing that this is wrong, still glibly, still do it because of the power of thought. As he thinks, so he becomes. So I'm going to find out how I can help myself. My mind is also the throne of my meditation. The throne, it's where I cogitate. It's a king. I sit there and I cogitate. I think about things. I think about who has hurt me. I think about my regrets in life. I think about my failures. Have you ever, have you ever just been thinking about something and then you start crying? No one has said anything to you. No one has done anything to you. But the power of your thought does something. It begins to affect your emotions. This is the power of thinking. Have you ever been in church worshiping or in the service worshiping God, lifting your hands, but your thoughts are someplace else? And you had to bring yourself back. So listen, your thoughts can also transport you to worlds. You can be sitting in your house, but actually be someplace else in your thinking. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my, whatever is going on in my meditation begins to impact my heart. My mind is so important. Let's go just a step further. Watch this. Mental strength is spiritual. It is not hormonal. There, there are no cells. There are no hormones. There, there, there's nothing uh, metabolic. There's nothing physical about mental strength. Mental strength is spiritual. The stronger you are in your mind, it is a spiritual strength. It's not a physical strength. Psychology is not something physical. The study of the psyche is not physical. It is at core spiritual. So when somebody says, I'm mentally strong, there's something spiritual about that kind of strength. It's not physical. 
They've told me stories. I don't know how true this is. Uh, somebody uh, in a car accident and the car is on the child and mom has the ability to lift the car, get the child out. And she, I don't know how I did that. And these are true stories that people have told. The power of the mind to dictate to the body. When the mind is right, the body has no options. Watch, watch. So, so when you start looking at uh, Eastern mysticism and certain things that people do in Eastern cultures, you can see that they can harness a power in the mind that allows them to walk over hot coals and not feel it. Because the mind is the king of everything. If my mind is right, Satan doesn't stand a chance. Can I say that? If my mind is right, Satan does not stand a chance. The door that he's constantly knocking at is the door of my mind. He wants my thoughts. He wants my meditation. And so he's after that king that is in my soul. But so is God. Did you notice that? God is after my mind as well. Let's go a little further now. Watch. The mind, I like this word. It's an imaginarium of ideas. This is where all the ideas come. They're, they're running through my mind. Creativity then is a work of the mind. You see why it's important to have a healthy mind? It's an imaginarium. It's a room where you can imagine. And so in the book of Genesis, the Bible says when God saw the earth, every imagination of the thoughts of their hearts, because whatever you're imagining, it moves to your desires and your appetites. Once again, I want God to control my mind. <laughs> Let me show you something interesting. I can show you mental strength. Someone will walk down this aisle. Five people will stare at them all the way down. Someone will just keep focused on what's being said. Because we watch, the mind also determines the level of distraction. The mind also determines the ability to focus not the eyes the eyes are following an impulse that goes somewhere unseen the mind determines focus looking unto Jesus is first an act of the mind before it can be an act of the eyes because I can't see Jesus looking unto him focus is an act of the mind I'm almost through we're gonna get to this place and here is where I think a lot of people need to focus my words don't start in my mouth. My words start in my mind. My mouth is the last place they end up before you hear them. What my mouth does is my mouth gives audibility to what I'm thinking. My mouth adds volume to what I am thinking. But what I'm thinking actually started, they were conceived in my mind. If you listen to me long enough, you might get a sense of what I'm thinking. Can I show you the wisdom of scripture? That's why the Bible teaches that if you're wise, you should be slow to speak, swift to hear, and slow to wrath. My words come out of my mind. Listen to the things that you say. Listen to what you're saying. They're actually giving you windows into your thoughts. My words are so important and then finally my mind is a first level mediator my mind is actually connecting whatever is in my spirit to whatever is in my heart 
And what I want is, I want the things that God has done in my spirit, I want them to reach my heart. I want them to become my desires. Now I understand the Bible. If I commit my ways unto him, he will then give me the desires of my heart. Watch. Whatever he's given me in my spirit, it will go through my mind into my heart. So that when I pray, I can have what I say. I want you to get that. I don't want you to be frustrated because sometimes what you desire has not started in your spirit. Then you pray for it. It doesn't happen. But whatever God has given to you, when you let it go through your mind and into your desires, you can pray his desires as your desires. Then you can have the things that you desire or say. We're almost home, my brothers and sisters. My mind connects me to my spirit and to God. Romans 7.25 says, with the mind I serve God. I thought I served God with my spirit. But then I found out that I serve God with my mind. And in Romans 7, this is where Paul is having this battle between the good that's in him and the evil and the fight. And he comes down and he says, it is with the mind that I serve God. And with the flesh I serve the law, law of sin. Oh, I'm sorry, I went back. Let me just go through this. I went back on the clicker. I want to give you some things to think about. I want to show you three, four things, and then we'll go home. Because I want you to guard the king of your soul. If you do nothing else today, take these four things down. Because I believe that if the mind is right in me, in us, everything else will take care of itself. There's some stuff lodged in my spirit. Listen to what the Bible says. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard hasn't entered into the hearts of men the things that God has prepared for us but they've been revealed to us by the spirit they're sitting there in my spirit I want to get them into my mind get them into my heart get them into my decision making and ultimately get them into my world through my body four things brothers and sisters would you commit with me today I'm going to feed my mind with the word of God thank you thank you I'm going to feed my mind with the word of God can I really be harsh just for a second? I'm going to stop feeding my mind with all the gossip in the Christian community. I'm going to stop feeding my mind with certain things that may be lawful on television, on the screen, but it's not really edifying. And I'm telling myself it's not affecting me, but it is affecting my king. Watch, it's tarnishing the crown of my mind. I'm going to focus. This is part of the discipline in the latter days. I'm going to feed my mind with the scriptures. I'm going to pour that in. I'm going to take it in. I'm going to set it before my eyes. I'm going to pray it into my mind. And I'm going to ask God, let this word that I'm reading begin to transform my mind. I got it, Lord. I, I hear you. I'm going to present my body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. My reasonable service. I'm not going to be conformed to this world, but I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I want everyone to make that commitment. Number two. Thank you, Robert. I'm going to fuel my mind with wisdom. Here the Bible says, and here's what I pray every single day. Because I've come to the place where I realize that I'm not that smart. 
And all you've got to do is look at your errors, you'll see. If I made this mistake, I certainly am not that smart. Pray and ask God every day, bless me with wisdom. Because it's going to fuel my mind, the ability to apply what the Word of God is teaching me on a regular basis, in differing situations, and all, at all times, I want you to give me wisdom for my mind. You know what I'm doing in these two things? I'm actually developing the same mind that was in Christ. Can I go one step further before we go home? Listen to this. And it only makes sense that I have the mind of Christ if I'm in the body of Christ. Let me repeat that again. Shh, softly, Robert. It only makes sense that I have the mind of Christ if I'm in the body of Christ. If I'm in his body with a different mind, I'm throwing his body into discombobulation. So I'm going to feed it. I'm going to fuel it. Watch. I'm going to furnish it through meditation. I'm working on this. I'm not that good at it because I've discovered in my own life, I'll confess to you, that my mind races from thing to thing, especially the things I'm worried about. One day I sat down, I was reading the Bible, I read a passage, and I said, I'm going to meditate on this passage for three minutes. And I tried. My mind was over here. This happened. My mind was over there. Then I realized how weak I was in meditation. I don't know why you give me these jokes. I don't think it's even funny. But, but if, if I meditate and somebody comes to me, I can say, I know your father. <laughs> I'm actually talking about the father, but it's just a corny, corny joke, corny joke. Take, take it for what it is, corny. <laughs> Let me teach you what I'm saying. Through meditation, we come to know the Father. And my meditation of him shall be sweet. Let the words of my mouth meditation. Robert, play softly. I'll give you the last point. Everyone, close your eyes for a second. See if we can just shake the little beautiful baby a little bit. And just get her to just... Everyone, close your eyes for a second. Raise Robert up a bit. And here is the word of God. Here's a verse of scripture. I want you to take 30 seconds and meditate upon it. The Lord is my shepherd. Even at home, I shall not want. Are you meditating? He leads me in the path of righteousness. For his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through valleys. Overflowing with shadows that point to death. I will fear no evil. God is with me. His rod, his staff, that's my comfort. In my daily life, God prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The anointing on my head, he it is that anoints my head with oil. The cup of my life runneth over. Listen to this meditation. Surely goodness and mercy they're following me. What have I to complain about if I'm meditating on the word of God? I'm not going to allow the devil to break my meditation. To thrust the cares of life in my face. 
So I spend all of my days worrying, concerned and perplexed, not sure how this is going to work out, not sure how these ends are going to meet. God says, take a minute and meditate. I will keep thee in perfect peace, whose mind stayed on thee. Glory to God. Here's our last point. Watch what you just did there. You can fill your mind with peace. And I know this for a fact. In today's era, this age, what we all need is peace. Even when the storm is raging, I love it. The storm is raging. The winds are blowing. The waves are dashing against the boat. The disciples are, they are pictures of us running helter skelter trying to pour out jesus is a picture of what we're supposed to be and he was in the hinder part of the boat asleep in the storm stand with me everyone just for a moment i feel that in this room right now i feel that god wants to give everyone in this place his peace a peace that passeth all understanding should I worry about that pastor no you shouldn't be if I don't look worried it looks like I'm not concerned no that's not what God is teaching he's teaching that let me work that out and I just need you to be still and know that I am God there's a family member in my family that's sick and I'm really worried about them I'm concerned about them daily. God said, I'll give you peace for that. And there are people here that are worrying about financial ends, how these ends are going to meet. And God said, I will give you peace for that. And I will locate that peace in your mind. There's people that, you know, people are talking about you, dragging your name through the mud, whether at work or whatever. God said, I'll give you peace for that. Take your hands, everyone, and just lift them up. I want that kind of peace that passeth all understanding. I want people to wonder why are you not worried? Why are you not perturbed and perplexed? Why are you not losing your sleep? It's simple. I'm resting in Him. Forever. Ah, altars are open. I pray. In the fathomless. In the fathomless. Below of time